You're listening to Rocket Night. This is Dick Wisby, and I'm with Withering Earth, and you are listening to Rock at Night. This is Sharice with Rock at Night, and I'm here with Amani Ramos, and your new last name? Kolish. Kolish. She is now the wife of uh, Fearless, one of the Fearless boys. We just interviewed them. Oh. August. Yeah, August. I think it was August 16th, if I'm not mistaken. It was like, yeah, yeah. She just got married to Michelle, correct? From Fearless. uh, One of the Swedish hillbilly rockers that I interviewed, which was actually one of my favorite interviews, I have to say. (laughs) Now, Imani, tell me a little bit about yourself and your background. You manage bands, you do booking, you do everything. Uh, What is it that you do and uh, how did you get into it? Okay, um, I started... When I was 18 going on 19, I was in school in New York City um, to be an accountant, and I was lucky enough to land a position at Columbia, Columbia Records, and um, I stayed there for a little while, of course, you know, the accounting office is kind of boring, started hanging out with the scouts and moving around, doing different kinds of things. Um, I followed in their footsteps for a while, then I decided to start hosting events and setting up shows on my own and being basically like a promoter, a club promoter. I've worked in a ton of different genres, um, you know, between Latin, rap, R&B, you know, down to metal, goth industrial was big for me for a while. Um, and then I finally just, I, I left the accounting, which I do have my degree, which is always good to have a plan B. I, pre- I preach plan B to everybody. Um, so if anything ever falls through, you know, I'm, I'm still good. Uh, let's see. So I just basically, I did all that. I moved to Florida about three years ago. And I've been doing it down here. I've been much more heavily into the band management down here than I was up there. um, Because the events are significantly smaller here than they were up in New York City. So, um, you know, I just kind of, I just do better this way. Um, What I do is I'm a band manager specializing in artist development. I can pretty much take them from a bunch of kids in their garage and make them worldwide. You know, at least that's the hope. Um... Let's see, I do do promotions. I mean, for bands, I do promotions, public relations, all kinds of things like that. You do a lot of social media promotion, oh, too, right? I do tons of social media. Unfortunately, that's, you know, that's all there is these days. I mean, you could pass out flyers all you want, and you could pass out demos and stuff like that, but it doesn't, it doesn't have the same effect it did 15 years ago, 10 years ago even. Um, but I'm really, really big with the artist development. Um, I'm an international booking agent. I can book any band, anywhere, anytime type of thing. I have about 15 bands in the U.S. I have some in New York. I have uh, Texas, Florida, uh, and also I have now Sweden, of course. I'm dealing with Fearless, and I have some bands in Germany and things like that. Um, I work with some German labels and some U.K. labels, and they send me their people over here to tour and do, you know, promotion for them and vice versa. But artist development is really where it's at for me because... um, 
it's it's like it's like watching your children grow up. It's kind of like you take these guys, you find these guys with this talent, and you're like, you know what? These poor kids, they're never going to get heard. Because unfortunately, the industry these days, I hate to say it, it's not talent-based anymore. It's uh, luck. It's who you know. And if you have enough money, oh, sorry, if you have enough money to, uh, you know, pay to get yourself out there and things like that. So basically what I do is I take these these smaller bands and I fall in love with their their style, their talent and everything. And then I just use all the connections I've made over the years to boost them and to get them where they need to be. And then once they can fly on their own, then, you know, I let go a little bit. But, I mean, we get very attached. We're all like a big, giant family. I mean, all of us, all of the bands, they all know each other and everything. So it's it's really cool. It's a really a family thing for me. You're probably one of the few women that does this kind of deal with the booking and the management and the artist development. Being a woman, what are some stories that you could tell us of how it's been any interesting experiences or whatever you'd like to talk about i'm sure you have a bunch of stories i have a bunch of horror stories probably that's what i want to (laughs) hear um it's really really hard being a woman i mean there's plenty of women in the industry um i don't think they're um as outspoken or obvious maybe as i am but they they are there um a lot of them sit behind a desk where I'm basically down in the trenches with the guys. Um, Being a woman in this industry has been very, very hard. You don't get taken as seriously. And, of course, there's that whole groupie thing. You know, they think, oh, you just call yourself this just so you can, you know, no, seriously. And, honestly, like, I've always been taught, like, never date a musician. And, I mean, I personally, I know so many great guys. But, I mean, a lot of the horror stories are true, ladies. So, you know, take take some space here. but it's because of you know groupies and and women that you know use their position or whatever to get closer to bands just to hang out and name drop and all that stuff they make my job impossible they make a lot of journalist positions very impossible i mean i have a friend that works for decibel magazine and she just they're constantly in her way constantly so i can imagine you have the same problem it's just ridiculous um you don't get taken as seriously you you know your credibility is always questioned what could you possibly know about being in a metal band or what could you possibly know about this and it and it's 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 just stupid it's ridiculous it's it's I can't stress it enough Uh, but once people see how aggressive I am I am very aggressive when they see how aggressive and thorough I am you know they tend to back off a little bit and I mean by now after all these years I have I have a proven track record so that's really what speaks for me. And um, it's nice because people now, like, they know who I am before I even know who they are. And it's kind of, you know, it's awkward for me because I don't want to be the one on stage. I don't want to be the one that's the center of, the, of attention. And it's like I have literally no musical talent of my own. My talent is to sell talent. So that's why I do what I do. And, I mean, most of it is um, it's just based on my heart. It really, really is because, I mean, a lot of these guys I don't make money off of. I mean, you know, people think, oh, you're probably taking their last dime. No, it's not true. They're probably taking mine half the time. But um, it's it's a labor of love. I mean, I see it, and I cannot sit here and see such raw, beautiful talent that I know is never going to go anywhere without connections, without luck, without anything. And, you know, most people don't have that kind of money, and they don't, you know, they're not going to be in the public eye to where they're going to be discovered. And record labels these days, everybody knows they don't do what they used to do for people. 
I can say that, you know. I know people don't, you know, don't down the industry. I'm not down in the industry. There are some wonderful people out there. But for the most part, it's not talent-based. A lot of the different bands I'm dealing with are starting their own labels or working with small labels for that reason that they're not getting the attention that they deserve and they're not really getting promoted like they deserve. Uh, any comments on that? Um, I agree it is happening a lot more, but it's... <laughs> It's not actually helping the problem any because basically you're starting your own label. You're kind of like a, I don't want to call them a broke band, but I mean, you haven't gotten that far on your own. And yet you're going to group up with a bunch of other extremely talented individuals and none of you have any money to progress anywhere and things like that. And it's just basically now record labels are becoming a dime a dozen. And it's it's not helping. It's not helping the whole thing. Technically, what I do, I function as a label without being an actual label. I mean, when, when I pick up a band, I pick them up. I get them basically everything they need. We get in the studio. We do the mixing and the mastering and the, um, you know, literally I walk step by step through the whole process. I have a whole team of people that I use by now. Uh, studios and artists and, and everything we get their artwork done we get the the music done we send it off for manufacturing and then distribution and and everything and then I get them interviews with nice people such as yourself and you know merchandise merchandise yep we do merchandise we do pretty much everything I mean I have guys that all I do is booking for but I have guys I literally walk them through every single step and basically that is what a label would do on occasion if they don't have the money I have on occasion fronted money and no, I don't get interest and cuts of this and cuts of that. And half the time, I don't even make them pay me back. I'm just so damn proud of them. I just let them do whatever they want, you know. So um, basically, I'm, I'm not in it for profit. I make enough to survive. Um, I should be making a lot more, but I don't have the heart. I just, you know, you know what? When you guys are making millions, then worry about me. So you're doing what your passion is, is to groom these bands and mentor them, yes. I guess, uh, give them the best opportunity that they can have to get out there uh, to do it. Now, times have changed in the last 20 years with technology. I mean, with the internet and Spotify and iTunes and all this, uh, what changes have you seen in the industry, what, good and bad, now that we're in this technological age? That's, it's a really tough question. Um, technology, I mean, it, it's helped a lot because literally anybody can get on Pandora, anybody can get on iTunes, anybody can get on Spotify. So it makes a big difference um, exposure-wise for the little guys. Um, for the big guys, I mean, now you hear like like Taylor Swift and a whole bunch of people like that. They're like, no, you're not going to stream my music for free. Lady, don't you have enough money? Are you kidding me right now? Like, seriously, cut the crap. Um, there are people that... Um, like one of my guys, Sons of Ragnar, for example, they found out um, a website or a, I think it was a website. They were downloading their music illegally and then putting it up, you know, for other people to download uh, for free, which, you know, kind of defeats the purpose of them making money. But the way they looked at it, they're like, well, to us, it's not about the money. But the thing is, if you liked us enough to download it and then allow other people to download it, that that's pretty cool with us. You, you liked us enough to make the effort to go through all that. And um, I deal with certain labels that, at the same time, um, they kind of deal with the pirating, too, which usually labels are against pirating. But at the same time, they say that music is art, and art should be free. So at the same time, it's like you're profiting off of it, but you're still allowing people to, you know, it's it's kind of like a, a weird situation, but I mean... Well, it's, lawyers call that intellectual property. 
<laughs> you know, that's an artist used his brain or her brain to create that and it's unique and they should have some kind of compensation. But I, I do notice that a lot of people will give a free sample here and there. But I've heard a lot of bands say the money is in the live performances and also merchandise. What do you think? I think most of the money is, is going to be in the merchandise, but you have to be likable enough for people to buy your stuff. Um, it can't just be your band name because half the time people don't even know. I mean, it's got to have some really cool, interesting picture. It's got to have something to, to market it. Um, Sons of Ragnar, we have a lot of Viking humor. And that sells more shirts than actually knowing who the band really is. Um, because, again, most of my stuff, I work with the harshest genres. I work with the, the niche genres. And in that, you either fall on your face or become huge. Um, and I pride myself on working with the, the misfits, the hard guys, you know, the harshest ones that nobody wants. Because if you can, can succeed with them, you could do anything. You could do anything. So you get these little pop princesses. And, I mean, I can handle them with one hand tied behind my back because I've been in the trenches with these guys for so long. And, um, you know, I mean, there's there's so many great questions that you're asking. They keep getting, like, sidetracked as far as which ones. Well, how can people find you if they want to use your services? Oh, well, I'm on Facebook, which is, you know, the place to be, apparently. Um, Imani Ramos is my personal page. Valkyrie Management is my management company, and it is registered in the state of Florida, so it is completely legit. Um, and I also have a small office in New York City that I use on occasion. Um, people can find me. I mean, you don't necessarily have to contract me. I mean, if you have questions, if you want to know the right way of doing things, um, if you have a concern, if it's something, I mean, I totally don't mind answering questions and things like that if I can help. I mean, it takes me days to get back to people sometimes because, of course, clients are a priority. But, I mean, I'm always willing to help people out. Well, since we're international, let's say there's a band that wants to come here to the U.S., would you be able to help them book gigs and all that kind of thing so you would be the kind of person that they would go to if let's say one of our Australian bands want to come over or one of our UK bands or whatever so hear that people <laughs> well um basically I mean I've been dealing with this for a long time like when I started in the Latin division 15 years ago I mean there was the whole immigration process and the you know there was there was so much trouble with it it's gotten a lot easier and i mean i know with this whole terrorism thing they do you know cause a lot of problems but i mean fortunately the music industry it tends to pass over us a little bit um i do know the visa process and what needs to be done and what you know the different governments want to see from us to be able to bring you over here and you know what the expenses are and things like that i try to save people money i try to give them travel advice and things like that um i can set up the tours and things like that but I mean you know people need to realize you're not going to make a million dollars on your first tour you'll be lucky if you make enough to cover your expenses um you know there's there's even there's even tour coyotes out there believe it or not like they will they will get you over here and they will put you on a tour and uh sometimes they use you blindly I mean they will there there's very there's a lot of horror stories that's what I call them I call them tour coyotes because they'll they'll put you on a tour but you're gonna I hadn't heard that term but that's probably a good term for them (laughs) For people coming from out of the country, absolutely. I mean, some people do do it for your benefit, but some people are not. They're only out for their benefit. Um, so, you know, they, you think it's a great opportunity because you get into the U.S. like seamlessly, flawlessly. You just float right in and you're doing a tour, but it's 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 not what it's it's not what it's what it looks like on paper. It's like ten guys in a van <laughs> going around. You're not getting paid for anything. You know, you get to if you sell merch, you get to keep your merch money, but you don't get paid for the shows. You don't get anything. So you know, 
it's yeah it's like taking advantage of people wow that's that's not cool uh are you taking on new bands or if a band was interested in having you manage them i mean are you open to more bands or are you pretty much maxed out i i am open to it um the beauty of being just just me and nobody else is basically you know i pick and choose um i base it on a lot of different factors money is not one of them um you know it's just basically like the drive that they have behind themselves and uh and things like that and you know the actual musical talent and I mean sometimes you don't have to be all that great but I mean you have to drive behind you and a few little tweaks you know you could end up being really something spectacular. You've seen a lot of bands come and go what is the most common reason that bands break up? Um, Fighting internally honestly Um, you know unfortunately I've seen a lot of my own guys they've lost a member here and there and uh it's heartbreaking it's not just simple as oh well we'll just go find somebody else it's it's a major setback because even if you even if you have other people lined up it's not that same person especially if it was a founding member it's it's heartbreaking it's crushing it's it's not good at all um that's the majority of it and then um fighting over you know who wants you know who's more creative than the other one and who's the leader and who's more important and who's irreplaceable which again goes back to being internal but I mean some people do it for the money because they're like oh well I need a return on my investment I need to make money and the other guys are like no that's not why we do this and then again internal conflict so um it's rarely something other than that unless somebody moves away or something you know it's usually internal conflict yeah, I've always found it interesting because people do have creative differences or even I've seen where guys just, they, they get married, they settle down. I think it's something you do in your 20s. And one musician told me that if you haven't made it by 30, lots of times they just kind of go into traditional jobs and, you know, you've got to really have the drive inside, you know, and, and you have to as one person told me eat ketchup every day i don't know yeah. <laughs> it's it's not as yeah ramen noodles it's like you know not yeah uh for 2016 anything interesting coming up or any plans uh for you or how do you think the year is gonna start up in january you have uh, a gig right nile and uh nile, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sons of Ragnar are one of my biggest guys right now, and um, they really, they're just playing huge shows right now. I mean, they have Nile in January, they have Flesh Glad, Apocalypse, and Karak Angren, and Abigail Williams in February. Um, Lacerate is another big band of mine, and they're they're more in the thrash genre, and they've got some huge shows. Um, I even have A Starry Night, which is like... Um, kind of like a dark wave it's kind of like the the cure with a little emo touch to it you would probably really like them a starry night you definitely have to check them out um they've been going over to germany for wave gothic treffen i mean they're getting booked all over the world now um so basically it's like i said it's the growing process you watch you know i've got my little guys and my big guys they all get the same treatment and the same love and the same respect some just by now need a little bit less help than others um, there's major shows coming up for 2016. Um, I'd like to do a Valkyrie showcase. I'd like to get all my guys on one show together, which would be phenomenal for me. It's just like... Would it be here in Orlando, or where do you think you'd do um, it? Probably Orlando, because most of us are here. Um, 
you know, I do have my Tampa guys, but they're, you know, it's only an hour and a half or so. So, you know, we could work that stuff out. Um, I'd really, really love to do that. Just get all my guys in one place, kind of like celebrate each other, like celebrate our kind of like the bond that we all have together. Like a reunion. Yeah. Yeah. And all my guys get along so well. There's none of my guys that don't get along. Um, Fearless. I mean, Fearless is one of the favorites because they're such sweet guys. They're wonderful guys. All the rest of my guys adore them. Um, for me, for, for 2016, I mean, I'm just going to keep going with what I'm doing. I've gotten really, really big this past year, overcome a lot of op- obstacles, and finally, kind of finally getting the respect that I deserve for the work that I do. Um, and hopefully, you know, having my husband join me now, coming from Sweden, he's got a, a long history in the music industry. Um, he's he's best friends with some of the, the biggest names in metal that ever existed. Uh, the Gothenburg Trio and things like that. I mean, he's he's got amazing connections over there. But to him, they're not connections, they're friends. And over here, my connections are not connections, they're friends. So we kind of, you know, between the, the different sides that we have, because he's actually a performer as well, I'm trying to, I'm going to get him more involved in the, um, actually getting involved in the shows and doing what I do that way, giving my guys direction, producing, um, things like that. Like he's got, he can add a whole nother side to Valkyrie that we don't have right now. And plus, it's really, really hard being one person, and I don't want to turn anybody You'll down. be the power couple. Uh, that's what they say. That's what you're going to be. The, that's what we need. Here. I love that. I actually love hearing that because, like, I mean, you know, between the potential between the two of us is, is pretty incredible. We have a great relationship, a great working relationship. We have the same visions and the same different types of things. And hopefully, he, uh, hopefully he'll eventually start a project of his own. And fearless, he's not going anywhere. He is fearless till he dies. So, you know, nobody worry about that. We're not taking him away. Um, but that's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of challenge. We're probably going to spend a lot of time on the road and things like that. So it's it's really going to be a cool year. 2016, great. This is Greg Moyer from Withering Earth, and you're listening to Rock at Night. His, his obsession. They never okay. had queen. I was here with Imani, and we were just talking about the Fearless Boys and... Uh, they're the Swedish metal band that I interviewed in August, and they are obsessed with churros. You want to tell the story about Michelle? Okay, poor Michelle. We just, he discovered churros on the Santa Monica Pier. We were on the tour, and we stopped off there to have some fun. Um, the poor guy tried them and in love with them and apparently dreams about them on occasion. 5.30 in the morning on, like, a Saturday, he sends me a, a message, and he says, Listen, you have to send me the recipe for churros. And he said, it's 5.30 in the morning. Are you kidding? No, 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 no. I had a dream about churros. I need churros now. Send me the recipe. I'm like, okay, well, all right. The recipe is simple, but it's the shape and it's the this and it's that. I don't care. I don't care. Send it to me. So I sent it to him and apparently he took a minute or two to read it to, to read it over. And then he sent me a message back. And I mean, you could literally see like tears dripping off these letters. He's like, I won't be making churros today. It was the saddest thing ever. But I mean, that's, that's our thing. Like we literally were waiting for him to get here. He'll be here in less than three weeks now. And and the first thing we're going to do is we're going to have a churro party. Go to go to Tampa. There's the churro bus. Churro Express is churro what it's called. And, and it's permanently in Brandon on 60. They park it there and they park it at different events. But Churro Express. We, we oh. will be there. We will definitely, definitely be there. Churro and a nice cup of coffee or whatever. And Twinkies. They didn't, have, they didn't have Twinkies before. What, what did they think of Twinkies? Um, I don't think they were really impressed. I mean, it's kind of like a flavorless thing. It's a, it's a sponge with gooey stuff in it. Um, Funyuns, however, did go over well. 
Can you imagine life without Funyuns? What about Cheetos? Do they have Cheetos over there? That I don't know, but they had a list, and, and Funyuns and Twinkies were on the list. So they did oh. knock those out. We talked about peanut butter. We need to find out if they have peanut butter in Sweden. You yes. need to ask him because that is so American. Yes. Peanut butter sandwiches and stuff See, like I didn't that. Know that was American. I didn't even know that was American. But um, but yeah, I'm definitely. You know what? Let me let me let me send a message right now. I'm no, gonna um, find out. Do they have say? Do they have peanut butter in Sweden? We need to make some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> oh, peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Ooh, with honey. He'd go crazy about that. Sweden. Okay, I'm sending the message right now. Yeah. But he's asleep right now. But when he, I, I will definitely let you know. This is this is this is important news to find out. We're doing research the here. The world wants to know, know if there's peanut butter in Sweden. Yeah, we don't know because in Venezuela they didn't have it. So, do you know fluff? I don't know. Oh, I know fluff. Fluff. Okay, yeah. fluff is an obsession for some people, and, and I know when a friend of mine moved to New Orleans from up north, like she couldn't get it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. She couldn't get fluff, and she had to have her mother ship it by the caseload. Fluff. Fluff is kind of like, for some people, like Nutella is, I guess, to the people in Europe, which that's kind of like, it's not really peanut butter, it's chocolate and nuts. I mean, hazelnuts, yeah. yeah. But peanut butter is like, come on, Reese's Cups and peanuts, and that's that's so American, man. All right. Well, that was interesting about the food. We like to look at the, the cultural differences here. You're listening to Rock at Night. Thanks for the intro melody. It's called Get On Down by Billy Bass Alford. Thanks. <laughs>